0: Okay. Are you with me? Have you found your Bibles? Yeah. Or did you bring them? Yeah. Okay. Here we are, Matthew chapter 6. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. All right. So the, the gospel of Matthew calls the reader to follow Jesus. How many want to follow Jesus? How many are following Jesus? How many have decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. Very good. So the, and so this gospel tells us what that means and how to do it. Now, we've landed now in the middle, right in the exact middle of the Sermon on the Mount. That's that big section in red ink, if you've got a red ink Bible. And uh, Jesus has begun, or Matthew has organized, a new section of the teaching of Jesus. Whereas the last part, the last full part of Matthew five was on the character of righteousness, uh, fulfilling the law, how the law is fulfilled in real righteousness. Now Jesus is talking about the practice of righteousness, how to practice righteousness, or the reason or the motive, how to do it honorably, how to do it with a pure heart, that kind of. He's talking about the practice of righteousness, and that's. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1 actually says, uh, beware of practicing your righteousness. Those, that's the key word for this section is this, the practice of righteousness. Now, that, we, we saw last week that what that means, we just did one verse last week, uh, and uh, uh, what we saw last week is that righteousness does. Righteousness practices. There's, it, it is active. It does things. We don't earn righteousness, but we do do it. We practice righteousness because of because righteousness has happened to us. But then we also saw that we do these works of or acts of righteousness for God. We do righteous, we practice righteousness for to for God's eager approval and praise. Not, everybody say, not not for man's. We do not practice righteousness for man's applause or praise, but for God's. And what we saw last week is what that does is that liberates us, that sets us free from the idolatry of people-pleasing, that as, if I follow Jesus, I have, I have come to a fork in the road. I can either be a people-pleaser or a God-pleaser. I cannot be both. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 Paul says for I for am I now seeking the favor of men or God or am I striving to please men if I were still trying to please men I would not be a bond servant of Christ he says it again in Romans chapter 2 verse 29 the last part in the new living he says and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God not from people now We did also make sure that we put a good asterisk on there and said, when I say I'm a God-pleaser and not a people-pleaser, that doesn't mean that suddenly I am authorized to be a jerk. Okay, being a God pleaser means I treat people as unto the Lord. So I'm actually more kind and I'm more genuinely kind than I would be as if I were a people pleaser. People pleaser, I'm only kind to you as long as it benefits me. I see you as a means to an end. But as a God pleaser, I treat you, I love you as he first loved me, regardless of whether you're a jerk or not. <laughs> and none of you are. But now we, be, now we pick it up at verse 2. Verse 2, just as we saw Jesus do in chapter 5, Jesus is now going to exemplify. He's going to illustrate the principle, the template he began in verse 1. Verse 1, beware of you. Don't, do, don't pra- practice righteousness. Don't do it for men. Do it for God. Got it, Jesus. All right, now he's going to say, for example. And then he's going to give us, today we'll just do one, but in, he's going to give us three examples. These examples are intentional. They come from the three pillars of piety. The three pillars of piety in first century Judaism were, what do you suppose, giving, praying, and fasting. Jesus is speaking to something that is on the frontal lobe of his audience. So And yet it's not just saying, oh, by the way, I believe that he is intentionally speaking to something that was on their minds, but I do believe that he chose them intentionally as a matter of principle anyway. So here's what we're going to see today. Jesus is exemplifying a larger principle using practices most important to his audience. So let's take a look at verses 2 through 4 and then uh, see how we can respond to these today. So, verse 2, so... When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm glad Mrs. Dab finds that funny because 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 spoiler alert. I believe Jesus is reaching for that effect. Spoiler alert. Uh, I should have. This is should have. I should have had this later in my notes. There is no uh, historical record of that actually ever happening. We don't have any record that anybody ever actually sounded a trumpet. And that's not, so, well, Jesus is fibbing. No, he's using, he's making fun of people. He's using hyperbole to poke fun that how people might subtly do things and they're kind of sort of drawing attention to themselves. Jesus is saying, you might as well be blowing a trumpet. I am giving to things. Okay? I'm here. My dad and I'm singing, uh, (laughs) popular, (laughs) oh, I have any, I'm still reading the Bible, (laughs) do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, the hypocrites, the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, now, I, 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 I gotta get to that, uh, uh, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full. Remember last week we saw that every time that phrase is, that's the stamp. That's that red ink stamp on the receipt, paid in full. If, the, if you shoot for men's praise, you may get it, but that's all you'll get. You have nothing else is coming. If that's what you're aiming for. Verse three, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Once again, is Jesus is using hyperbole? For that to be literal, you require a lobotomy. So he's not. That's that's figurative speech. There. Okay. Uh, Verse four, so that your giving will be in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We remember again that, the mo- that, that, that this is about the motive or the reason for righteousness. But in this example, in these few handful of verses, a, a clear message emerges or remains for us, and that is this. Righteousness gives. Would you all try to say it with me? Righteousness gives. Here's what we see from this passage Jesus begins with the phrase, when you give. Oh, everybody say it out loud. When you give. When you give. Who is, who is he talking to? He is talking to his disciples. He gathers, that's, that's us. If, you're a, if you have decided to follow Jesus, he is talking to you. When you give. He didn't say if you give, but when. He didn't say when you're in, if you're in the mood or if you're, if you're so moved, no, nor does he say if you're compelled or coerced, none of that. When you give, giving is part of being his disciple. Eventually, even the pronouns in the passage, even we just read the word you, 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 but even the pronouns change from a, a second person plural, y'all, to a you, 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 specifically. Jesus is saying you, each one of you, each one of your disciples, you get to be a giver. Yay! What is also significant is that if he's going to, he's going to launch in and start talking about the practice of righteousness and he starts with talking about your wallet. (laughs) Wow, Jesus. I mean, arguably he could have started anywhere, but he wanted to apparently get their attention. I'm going to find somebody who is going to agree with me in a minute. Jesus begins teaching about how to practice righteousness by talking about what we do with our money and why. Hey, Jesus. People say, churches, they just talk about money. Well, they better if they're going to be followers of Jesus. (laughs) This is the first time in the book of Matthew so far that we actually hear Jesus talking about money. And it's the and it's and it coincides with his first example about practicing righteousness. How we handle money is a matter of righteousness. What other subject so readily agitates people? Right. What other subject gets makes people angry? or gets them so interested or frightens them or offends them if money can do all of that to you so quickly then it's then perhaps we better let jesus talk to us about it <laughs> few other subjects have such a grip on our minds and our hearts and our fears and our needs as money so how we handle it is a matter of righteousness jesus has plenty to say good news He'll talk about it more. He has plenty to say about, uh, about money in the book of Matthew. But today, he says this. When you give, do not give to gain men's praise. Yeah. When you give, don't do it to gain men's praise. The, the passage says, so when you give to the poor. Now, that's fun. Uh, what's he talking about there? I have a card that says my name on it. I don't know what it's for, but I'll put it right here. Uh, uh, he says, when you give to the poor, that this, he is referring to a practice that is rooted in the Torah, in the, in the, in the Pentateuch, in the book of Deuteronomy, particularly is the one that's most oft referred. Uh, look at, uh, if you, you can look at this with me or just know that it's there. He's talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you begin at verse seven, the Moses lays down this this uh, this principle here. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers. Everybody say brothers. Okay, so he's so he's talking about fellow Israelites right now, just as Jesus is talking about uh, our, our our disciples, how we relate to each other. If there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns, in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Ooh, You can hear the, the subtext in all of this. It's, it's a lot of fun. makes me very happy to hear it. But do you hear him? He's, he's reminding them that, this, that, that even the land isn't theirs. He's about to talk to them about being generous, but the subtext is, you were given this. Everything comes from God. God is your source. And it's right there. It's, 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 it's rich. It just, it's, the, it's the background music to the entirety. Whoo! So much energy right now in the Word. There's the, I don't want to dis, it, it confuse you, but man, I sense His presence. Uh, uh, the Lord, in any of the, the towns in which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. Woo! Okay, look at that. Where does, where does giving begin? Yeah, what is giving a matter of? Not your backside. (laughs) That's where your wallet goes if you're a feller, okay? Nope. You shall not harden your heart. Woo, look at this. Look at how Jesus gets a view of what's going on. The condition of your heart is what you do with your granola. (laughs) Granola is a term for cash, gase, money, coin. You shall not harden your heart. Nor close your hand. There is a direct link between my heart and my palm. My heart and my hand. You shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. Verse 8. But you shall freely open your hand to him. And shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. What? What? Beware, verse nine. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart. You know what a base thought? That's a bad one, the lowest form. Okay. Beware that there is no base thought, no evil intent in your heart. Saying, "Quote the seventh year, the year of remission is near." What what he means is. Uh, and their their practice was you you lent you you lent money resources to people or even property, and but when the in the year of jubilee when that thing came up, all, whoop, you know all the all the auction free every, everything returns to its to its rightful owner to its original owner, and that's a that's a whole principle of redemption. Somebody should shout. In the year of Jubilee, everything returns to its rightful owner, the Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, that's what Jesus said, I'm here to to, to proclaim the acceptable, the favorable year of the Lord. He came to proclaim the year of Jubilee. That means when Jesus comes, you get get returned to your rightful owner. Woo, Jesus. You get pulled out of the dominion of darkness, and you get pulled right into the, the king of the son of his love. Oh, wonderful. The kingdom of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have time to talk about that today. But. He's saying to people, don't, don't say, hmm, I don't feel like lending because Jubilee's too close and I may not get my granola back. Yep. That's what he's saying. He said, I, Jesus says, the Lord says through Moses, I know what you're thinking. I know you're a schemer. <laughs> don't say the year of remission is near. Look here. And your eye is hostile toward your poor brother. Think about that when we hear Jesus talk about a uh, uh, if the eye is pure then the whole body is pure. That that whole passage is actually about generosity. It means a generous eye or a or a stingy eye. Hmm. Yeah. Stingy. <laughs> Mrs. Stamps over there calling people stingy eyes over there. <laughs> Hope not. Okay. In the seventh year, the year of the year, your eye is hostile. If you're, if you're, look at that. Look at how the Lord talks. If your eye is hostile toward your brother, and you give him nothing, then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. How, we, how, how Apparently this matters. You shall generously give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give it to him. You shall be generous and be happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> because, why? Why will your heart be happy? Because you're out of dough? You're out of stuff? You're out? Oh no, I gave it away and now I don't got enough money for more Starbucks. What, ha, what now? What? Right? Oh now I can't have two trucks. Wait, wait a minute. You shall, your, your heart shall not be grieved because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Time out. That is not, that, it, that Jesus did not say poor people are going to always stay poor. What, he, what he's saying is the condition that causes poverty will remain. People will continue to experience affliction, oppression. They'll be robbed, they'll be oppressed, whatever, as long as, until the Lord comes back. <laughs> I'm trying to say make a smiley face here. People will make really dumb decisions. They're going, to, they're going to do it. Things are going to happen in people's lives that they're going to find themselves in a place of need. That's going to happen. But they don't have to stay poor. Yeah, that's right. And, how, and, and, and act, that's actually the goal here. So the, the, you know, the poor woman with you, but therefore, I am commanding you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. The, the passage lays out, do not harden your heart against a poor brother. Freely open your hand to lend generously. The passage teaches us that the giving that is, that is prescribed in the Pentateuch is that that giving, that what they gave to others, would likely be repaid. But without interest. Usury was not so much a good thing. No, nobody got to charge that. Okay, Yet... When they gave, they were not to give with sights set on or with the leverage of being repaid. That's why he said, don't be looking at when the year of Jubilee comes when you give. Just give. You shall be generous. Why? Because the Lord will bless you in all your work and undertaking. So the goal of giving, as Jesus is referring to, he's, where we're trying to anchor a, a, a command here in its in its in its scriptural context. So the goal of giving, particularly in Deuteronomy, was to relieve suffering, because God hates suffering, to relieve suffering and to enable people to stop being poor. The idea was that they were to get enough resources to, to fix their problem to, and, and, to, and to rise up so that they too could become, eventually, God wants everybody to be able to be generous. Yes. Yes. So there's, there, this is, there is no virtue in reinforcing poverty by creating dependent populations. The Bible is not endorsing creating this perpetual cycle of poverty at all. This is actually a way that we we work together to to help people get out of it. Not to create a dependent population. There's nothing righteous about that. Nothing virtuous. So this is not meant to create a a people perpetually dependent upon some sort of central resource. Mildred, I think he's talking about politics right now. I'm talking from the Bible, do what you want with it. It was God, this is God expecting individuals to willingly, lovingly invest willingly, lovingly invest in the well well-being of their suffering siblings. This is not this is not an endorsement of state sanctioned confiscation of personal resources to be redistributed at a secular state's state's discretion. Giving to the poor in Scripture is to relieve suffering and to invest in people's ability to become self-sustaining and contributing. Now, the first century synagogues had systems in place. They had organized mechanisms for its members to give toward charitable concerns. And that may be... That may be what Jesus is talking about, because you could come to synagogue, you could give, but it looks like you could do it in a way that drew attention to yourself. Thus, Jesus saying, don't blow, don't blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain when you're putting a quarter in the thing, okay? Again, most historians, most scholars say we can't find any reference to anybody actually having trumpets blowing. The closest thing may be that if you're looking for some sort of what's he talking about, it may be that the, the receptacle in the synagogue that, recep- that received money and coins might have had one of those shapes like this so that when you put coins or whatever in it, it would land and then gather like a funnel which would prevent people from reaching back in there and grabbing money out. So it's this funnel that goes like this, and it kind of looked like a trumpet. And if you threw a bunch of coins in there, it could make, you could do it in a way that maybe made some noise. That's altogether possible, but it's not, a, it's not required to interpret what Jesus means. Jesus means don't try to keep it classy with a K. Don't be a jerk. Don't, don't be so crass and, and obscene when you're giving that you're drawing attention to yourself. Because that's what... Hypocrites do now. Everybody in the 20th century, 21st century, we love that word hypocrite, and it's it's the big insult to it. But hypocrite originally, <laughs> uh, it meant it just meant actor. Oh. Easy, you can just talk about the, to yourself. Basically, it just meant to pretend, to pretend to be somebody. So Jesus says that those who announce or make or or give to gain honor for themselves are pretenders. They're pretending to be benevolent and generous and kind, but what they're really doing is seeking men's praise and glory. If you give with the goal of attaining honor, if you give with the goal of attaining honor, you're not giving, you're buying. You're buying. And, 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 at, and this is at the root of it. Keeping control of my money, even if I am giving it, I want the giving to serve me. How do you check that? Well, like we said last week, do you change the subject to get attention to your giving? Do you, do you expect certain favors or privileges because of your giving? Like a lobbyist? <sighs> I got a message from somebody a, a year or so ago that reminded, they were asking, I think, for something, but they wanted to remind me that they were uh, <clears throat> regular supporters of the church. <laughs> and I actually just looked at that thing and I said, are you serious? Anyway, do, or listen, do we treat people certain ways because they may or may not be givers? Do we make a bigger deal of the gift and the giver than of the goal of the gift? Do you use money to promote a perception of status? If you're doing these things, you're probably using money to gain the praise of men. Living for the praise of men is idolatry, but giving is supposed to be worship. Which brings us to the third principle, and I realize that we're running short of time, but Brent took all the time today saying nice things. the thing about Brent is he'll almost feel bad about that. God bless him. The third principle and the main point of the whole thing is this, give to receive God's reward. Could you all say that with me, please? Give to receive God's reward. Jesus reminds us again that as we give, that if we do it with the right motives, that what happens is our heavenly Father sees and will reward us. This was true in Deuteronomy, remember? Deuteronomy said, you're going to be generous because the Lord's going to bless you. Now, from Deuteronomy forward, the anticipation was a temporal, an immediate, a, a, a today, this time in life reward for generosity. That remains all through Scripture. We hear that, that our, gener- our generosity in this life will be met by the Lord's faithfulness and blessing in this life. But we know this, that that, even, that no matter how much there is in this life that we experience, it will pale in comparison to the reward we will receive when we stand before Jesus. And that is what we're living for. That is what we're living for. We don't, you shouldn't, we don't measure reward by a cultural or socioeconomic status. That's going to be great. We can trust the Lord to bless and provide and reward and be our source. All of that's true. But ultimately, we aren't living for this day or this age. We are living for that moment when we stand before Jesus. And that can motivate us. It should motivate us. It should transform us. So the guiding principle in our giving is this: give for God. This makes consistency in our giving and our consistency in our generosity, it makes sacrifice, it make all of it makes sense because it makes all of it worship. Just as we just wrap this up, just respond with some big implications. You ready? We're going to wrap this up. Walking, stepping back, here's what we have to recognize from this passage. God cares what you do with your money. It matters directly to him. I want you to feel that. You should give believing that God sees and that God will respond. That it's not just a perfunctory, empty thing. That when you give, God sees it. There's power there. There's something happening when you give. Say to yourself, I am giving for the pleasure of my heavenly Father. That he might see this and take delight in it. I anticipate his blessed response and his eternal reward. I believe every dollar is recorded by heaven and accomplishes heaven's purpose. That makes your giving an act of faith and not of vanity. Spoiler alert. The practice of righteousness, we'll see this, it's all about faith. It's all about living and doing this by faith. Faith is not acquiescent, it's not passive, it's not silent. Faith is alive, faith is active, faith must do. And everything we do is by faith. In view of heaven, in love for God, anticipating God's gracious response, faith lives actively, enthusiastically for and unto God. So then when it comes to money, we give for God. One more time, everybody say it. This is a simple and transformational, a powerful thing in our life. When, we, when I give for God, it enables me to give freely. I do not give to compensate for my guilt or to convince others or myself that I am righteous. I can give freely. I can give often. I can give generously. I can give without worrying about credit or notice, and I can give without any sense of entitlement or control i give for god and this might be a whole nother subject but it's important to just acknowledge that giving like this gives you significant control of your inner person what do you mean dav well you're you can direct your affections and priorities by directing your wallet Jesus will say later that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can literally decide, you can can change the thermostat in your inner person by being a giver. What? You can tame the attitudes that have kept you in financial bondage by giving. Poverty or greed or fear of lack, all of those things, the antidote to those things begins with open softening your heart and opening your hand giving for God makes money a means of worship instead of a symbol of status righteousness gives righteousness gives and it does so to receive praise from God and that's what it means to follow Jesus shall we pray Do we have any ushers close, ready to pull the trigger real quick? Let's get some ushers up. Can we? Can I see some ushers? One, two. I got two right there. Okay, uh, Joel, grab just you and men. I know you're going to be real busy talking to people, but on either side of that door, just have an offering plate. Okay. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? We're going to receive a benevolence offering this morning. That means we're going to just we're going to just give you an opportunity to, on your way out, just drop something in those plates you can actually do text to give as well I suppose but I don't think we have a word for it but it don't matter Uh, But you could even just write out a thing like but we're going to receive a benevolence offering it can even just be the change in your wallet (laughs) but the benevolence offering is simply this: this is monies that we designate simply to have on hand to help those especially, especially and firstly in this house who have need we just set money in an account to make sure that we have resources available for when our family needs help Let's pray. First of all, I want you to be honest with the Lord for just a few moments and just say, Lord, search my heart and test me, prove me, Lord, for if my heart has been hard in this, in this area of, of money. Test my heart, Lord. Search me repent. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I recognize I've had a hardness in my heart, a closeness in my hand, uh, uh, a a harshness in my eyes. Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a person who gives to God, that recognizes that giving money is simply a means of worship. Thank you that righteousness gives. thank you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Can we stand together?